The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In order to thrive in today's competitive business market, you need to constantly adapt to change. In other words, reinvent yourself and your company. Welcome to Business Reinvention with host Nancy Lynn. This hour will have you listening to and thinking like the successful business leaders of today. Now, here is your host, Nancy Lynn. Welcome back to Business Reinvention. I'm Nancy Lin, and I'm glad you could join me today for a discussion about innovations in the financial services industry. We have just lived through the worst financial crisis since the Great Depression, and um, now we're seeing the credit conditions improving. But if you're running a small business or starting a new company, getting a loan can still be a challenge. Now, big banks have been under pressure for a while to increase small business lending. And in fact, we do see a 30% jump in September in terms of lending approval by big banks for loans between $25,000 to $3 million. That's according to a report by Biz2Credit, um, which is a lending credit marketplace for small and medium-sized companies. Um, but despite the good news, um, the fact is that small businesses, or excuse me, big banks still account for only a small fraction of all lending to small businesses in this country. I also did a little research on bankinggrades.com to find out how small businesses friendly big banks are. And I found that both Bank America and Citibank were graded F on that website um, because they lend less than 3% of their deposits to small businesses. And on the other hand, Wells Fargo got a D on the website um, for lending only 4% of the deposit to small businesses. So as you can see, um, getting a loan from a big bank can be tough if you're small. However, new players in the financial services industry are seizing on this opportunity and jumping in to fill the gap. They are developing some innovative lending platforms to capture this market. Um, and this is also helped by Jobs Act, signed into law earlier this year, legalizing crowdfunding in startups by non-accredited investors. So I think overall, this could potentially increase the funding available to new companies. Um, but what else does this mean for banks as well as companies looking for loans? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're also going to explore some of the new lending platforms and get a better understanding of the business implications for all of us. And joining me for a discussion are Nanette Miller, a well-respected business advisor and partner at the national accounting firm Markham. And we also have Bob Belcher, a principal with Lighter Capital, a Seattle-based financial technology company. And also Billy Parrish, co-founder and president of Mosaic, a clean energy investment marketplace. I want to give a warm welcome to all of you. Good afternoon. Thanks, welcome. Well, it's really exciting to have a great panel today. I think this is going to be a very interesting discussion. Um, before we dive in and look at some of the new and innovative financing options, um, I thought it would be really helpful to kind of step back and try to understand the different reasons that are driving business needs for funding. Um, Nanette, could you give us some insight on that? Yeah, I'd like to give you a little insight to kind of say what it's about and what has traditionally been available, because then I think we'll, we can, it'll lay a platform for the exciting things that Rob and Billy are doing. So traditionally, there's four reasons that corporations are seeking funding, and the reason it's worthwhile to go through this list is going to tell you whether you want what kind of funding you want. So sometimes corporations want funding to develop products and services. Other times they want funding to provide cash to ongoing uh, business operations. They may want to grow the business and move the operations into new sectors, or they may want to transition ownership, have a buyout, so that one, one owner can leave and another owner come on. So just as there's various reasons to get funding, there are various types of fundings, and various groups provide these fundings. So traditionally, there's been two broad categories of funding. 
One is called debt. And with debt, you borrow funds subject to certain restrictions. There's an interest rate. There's a repayment provision. And you, you get, usually you get collateral, and you have to repay it in a certain amount of time. And sometimes there's a personal guarantee from, by, the, by the owner. There's also uh, equity. And equity is when you get an owner stake, ownership stake in the business. Sometimes you have a preferred liquidation right. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, if it's a common stock, you may, you may have voting rights. But the difference with equity is there's no set exit plan unless some transaction or something happens in the future. And then, because business always likes to be complicated, there's instruments which start out as debt and then convert into, into equity. Now, traditionally with equity, how do businesses get equity, and I think we've all heard of them, uh, one of the, the, the most common way is an IPO, initial public offering, and the problem with that, you have to register with the SEC, you need to have attorneys, you need to have CPAs, you need to have investment bankers, and that's very, very expensive. I mean, you can spend 2 to $3 million just in professional fees, so for small businesses, it's really not an option. There's another thing called a reverse merger, where a company buys a public sh- shell with some private equity money, and then they become public that way. That's that's also expensive, can you know, run up to a million dollars. But then there's some of these new things I think we're going to talk about today. There's crowdfunding through the Internet. There's debt or lending, comp- or, or lending clubs. And the benefit of this is it gives access to smaller investors, um, to companies that aren't as developed yet, so you can have smaller loans from smaller investors. And that's, that's sort of a little bit of a background. Nancy. That's a, that's an excellent framework um, that you set up for this discussion today. Um, so, Bob, you know, um, Nanette just mentioned there are two, I guess, big categories in terms of funding um, options, um, debt and equity. Which one does your uh, financing option fall into? And can you tell us a little bit more about how it works? Yeah, that's a great question, Nancy. Uh, neither is the answer. Um, <laughs> we uh, we uh, that's actually not true. Technically, it's debt. Um, our, our investments are technically loans. However, it behaves a little bit like a, a hybrid. It behaves a little bit like equity because we get repaid back out of a revenue share. So we we receive larger payments if the company grows and has higher higher uh, revenues each month. And then uh, conversely, if the if the company struggles a little bit, our payments go down. Uh, so technically, our loan, uh, technically our investment is a loan, um, but it's 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 truly a hybrid. We it's called revenue based finance. And like I said, it's a loan with uh, repayments on uh, out of revenue. Oh, very out interesting. Of future revenue is that what you mean? Yeah, future future ongoing revenue. So in some ways, uh, the collateral almost is is future revenue coming in. It's similar in some ways to um, factoring or uh, receivables finance, uh, but as a, those are those are. Uh, uh, finance based on existing closed contracts with the revenue yet to be recognized. We're actually financing on future revenues that no one has even seen yet or, or um, can predict. It hasn't been actually contracted for. Hmm. So I'm, I'm curious to know, um, do your customers concentrate in particular industry? Because I know revenue-based uh, financing actually has been around for a while, even though it hasn't been really used widely. But I know they have been using that in film industry and maybe drug development. And I'm just curious in terms of where your customers are coming from. Yeah, so uh, that's, a, that's another great question. Historically, revenue-based finance or royalties, uh, simply is, is what they are, um, have been around for a long, long, long time to finance oil wells, mining, you know, gold mines, uh, as well as you mentioned entertainment. Movies are often financed with royalties, and obviously books. You hear about authors getting royalties based on, on selling books. Um, our, our, our founder, Andy Sack, is a, is a Seattle super angel. Uh, he runs the, the Seattle Techstars program and is very involved. He's both an entrepreneur and a, an angel investor. And he, he saw this opportunity. You know, um, uh, Nanette went through, um, and, and Nancy, you, you started with a good overview of the, the, the current credit uh, crisis and the issues facing small businesses. And Nanette, you talked about the, uh, some, some good uh, reasons for a company to, to look for uh, capital, and one of those is growth, and that's one of the ones we focused on, and, and Andy saw these, these things taking shape in the market and thought there could be a better way than traditional debt or traditional equity investments. And uh, there's a, a fellow in Boston named Arthur Fox who's been doing a little bit of um, what you'd typically call a venture capital investment using a revenue-based model. Um, he's been doing that for a number of years, and Andy um, sort of took a page from his book and developed our own structure, uh, and we've been uh, making revenue-based financings into software companies generally. Uh, that works the best for us. You know, they don't have any assets with which to collateralize a bank loan. 
Um, they don't want to take a personal guarantee from a bank. Uh, and they may be a type of software company that a venture capitalist wouldn't look at. Um, they can't actually get equity financing because they don't have the big exit. They're not a Twitter or a, a Facebook or an Instagram or something like that. They might top out at a $10 million uh, revenue run rate or something like that, which is a great lifestyle business for one or two founders, but um, not anything a VC will, would really look at. So this hybrid gives them the, the fuel to grow, uh, but and, and the upside of the faster revenue repayment, revenue-based repayment, uh, provides us with the upside to the, the risk of these early-stage uh, software companies. You know, you talk about growth, so that makes me uh, think of the question, so are you looking for businesses that have a proven revenue model and may not have been uh, ramped up yet, but that you, you have to be able to ascertain that they can generate revenue? So it's, is it beyond a startup, but where they've, they've proven the product and they've had some sales? I mean, how do you get, you know, what stage business are you looking at? So yeah, hold, hold, hold on, hold on. Uh, so I just want to chime in a little bit before you um, answer that question and sure. kind of just add on to that question because we know one of the reasons that big banks don't lend as much to small businesses or new companies is because the uncertainty and risk level associated with these companies uh, and they haven't established a track record. So so kind of along the same line of what um, Nanette was asking, but how do you overcome this and how do you look at, you know, what are the things that you look at to determine whether or not to lend to a young company? Yeah, those are both great questions. Um, sort of on the, the easy to answer end is our general criteria. Uh, and that's, you're right, that these are not pure startups. They have to have some revenue. Uh, we would usually work with companies that have booked at least 200K uh, in sales to date, uh, that can be you know a rel- relatively short time frame if they've only been around that's a couple not a months. That's a huge amount of money, two hundred k. No, and and on that we would usually lend about fifty k. That's so we usually lend between ten and thirty percent of a company's run rate. Um, so yeah, two hundred k. Uh, revenue run rate company could qualify for about 50k. Up to um, we do have loans up to 500k for companies that are you know doing millions of dollars in revenue. Um, and and Nancy, you asked sort of how do we you know how do we get comfortable with the risk of these really early stage companies. You know, a 200k company is pretty small, um, and we're we're doing what we call next generation credit analysis using technology uh, on our our uh, our side. When a company applies, we can look at some things that a bank simply would never be able to. Um, qualify as as meaningful metrics to determine creditworthiness you know they've got shareholders and boards and um, their own credit departments and um, you know we're operating like I said a little bit of a hybrid and so we can we can leverage our expertise in the software industry and and Nanette, you you mentioned um, you know how do we determine whether they're going to grow or not um, often we work with subscription-based SaaS companies right so they ah, okay. We, we, okay. you know we know that they have 50 customers this month and those 50 customers will probably be around next month as well and hopefully they'll have more um, and that that works the best although we've worked with all kinds of things from um, specialty ice cream manufacturers to um, enterprise sales to uh, enterprise software sales so a, a wide a wide variety um, I think that's, I think I covered most of it. So that sounds very interesting because uh, it, it also sounds like you're incorporating some of the best practices um, from venture capital industry, like looking at maybe website traffic and, you know, some of the number of customers as proxy um, kind of for, for the validity of, of um, the lending um, options. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, like, like I said, we've been using technology on our side to, to use next generation credit analysis. So, you know, things like if it's an e-commerce play, maybe we look at Facebook likes or the number of Twitter followers. We'll look at a, a clout score if you're a, um, a thought leader in your space. Um, we'll look at some of these other things, you know, number of website visits, certainly is that going up over time? Uh, and then in addition to sort of traditional financial analysis as well. And we can do this all automatically, you know, we've built software that basically we can do this stuff instantaneously. And if, you know, based on your user entered data and then all of these other external data sources, we can actually provide a company with a term sheet basically on the spot instantaneously. And we've done that. Do you collect the cash for them? I mean, you must have to securitize yourself some way. Do you you get the the payments directly or does the company just pay you on it? So, yeah. Let, let's I'm just sorry, go. Nancy. This is exciting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's very, very interesting and fascinating uh, and very innovative business model. So yep. there's so much more to talk about this. And so we're going to take a quick break and so that we will have more time when we come back to continue with this discussion. You're listening to Business Reinvention. Feel free to send me your comment through Twitter at Business Reinvention or go to businessreinvention.com for more information. We'll be right back after these messages. 
when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. What do you need from your accountants and advisors? We all know what the minimum requirements are. Nothing short of excellence. So, how do you choose? At Markham, for more than 60 years, we've known that the difference between being a service provider and a trusted advisor isn't about making promises, it's about keeping them. We care about you and are committed to providing the best services for the best value. With 23 offices throughout the U.S. and China, your Markham professionals won't stop until success is in hand. Success is a choice. Choose Markham. Visit our website today at MarkhamLLP.com. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. Well, you're listening to Business Reinvention. And before the break, we're talking about lighter capital or revenue-based lending. Um, So one more question for you. Rob, um, and it's coming from the net. Uh, we're interested in you know your your payment terms for the customers as well, how you get paid. Yeah, that was a great question. Um, you know, I think her question was a little bit multifaceted. You know, on the on the the, the uh, sort of outside, she was just wondering when do we get paid? How do we get paid? How do we make sure we get paid the right amount? Exactly. Um, and then, but there's more to it too. You know, sort of collateral. What do we take as collateral? So I'll I'll, I'll talk quickly about um, some of those things. Um, generally, we're working with asset-like companies. They're software companies. Um, so we take as collateral their IP if they've filed any patents and any domain names or anything like that. They assign those over to us uh, in case they default. And that's about it. You know, besides that, the collateral is that the entrepreneur is committed and will keep working for the business. And then on the revenue side, sort of the fraud level, if you will, um, we we employ the sort of trust but verify system. Um, you know, we we usually service we service monthly and we service on the fifteenth of each month following the month's revenues. So whatever cash they've received over the course of a month, uh, we give them two weeks to tally that up and uh, get a, get that number to us. And whatever their percent is that they owe us, say, call it 5%. Um, say they made $100,000 and they owe us 5%. So, you know, on the 15th, we'll ACH that payment. Um, and then uh, we require financial statements and we also have read-only bank account access. So we just go in and verify that, yep, everything's adding up. And, um you know, certainly they can they can do some very clever things to shield money, but generally, if we're requiring financial statements, tax returns, and all that, we can we can true up and make sure that we're um, receiving what we're owed. Um, and then occasionally, I think you mentioned a lockbox too. Occasionally, we'll, we'll do a deal with a lockbox if it makes sense. But um, generally, it's it's sort of trust but verify and using some technology to verify bank bank deposits. Great. So I also want to give Billy a chance to tell us a little bit about his financing option. Um, hi, Billy. Hi. Hi, how are you? So um, we wanted to hear also a little bit about your financing option and how is it different or better um, than a traditional bank loan. Yeah. So uh, Mosaic is an online investment platform for clean energy. So we're often called a Kickstarter for solar. So there are two sides of the business. On one side of the business, we make loans to finance solar projects. Plain vanilla, term debt, fully amortizing loans uh, uh, to finance commercial scale solar projects. So, you know, our loan size is between $50,000 and $2 million. And virtually every solar developer or solar project owner needs more financing. It's a rapidly growing marketplace, and the cost of capital for solar developers and project owners is typically still too high. So we're able to provide lower cost capital for them. On the other side of the business, we allow individuals 
to invest in shares of those loans. So we aggregate through crowdfunding on our website, solarmosaic.com. Individual investors, companies, small institutions who are interested in investing in solar projects and allow them to directly invest in the projects that they're interested in. So we've fully funded and built six solar projects so far, uh, four in Oakland, California, where our office is based, um, one in uh, Arizona and one on the Navajo reservation. So, you know, we're, we're a way for individuals and companies and small institutions to earn you know, a good rate of return investing in solar projects. And on the other side, we offer lower cost uh, and more flexible financing for solar developers who need capital to build projects. Mm. So, Nanette, I want to direct the next question to you. So, as you can see, there are more and more um, new and unconventional financing options coming out there. And you also mentioned earlier this peer-to-peer lending, such as Lending Club and, and things like that. So, um, you also work with companies of all sizes, from startup to large companies. So, I'm curious how company now need to evaluate their financing needs a little bit differently or not in order to um, determine which option to go with? What well, would be the criteria they use? And I think a lot of it's going to come down to is what are you needing the funding for? So, for example, if it's, you know, if it's, um, if it's, if you're looking to take, you know, a, to transition out ownership or something, then you might look for something that is more like an equity financing because you have a, a long-term need that you're, you're funding. If you're looking to just provide ongoing operations or to grow the business, then I think you, 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 you would use something that's more of a, of, of a debt instrument that might have some equity things. So, like, for instance, if you had a seasonal business or something like uh, – uh, Rob was talking where you're you're growing the business and you know the revenue will be there, but you can't get money from a bank. Then maybe this revenue-based financing. I think successful funding is where you match your needs with the kind of funding that that's going to match those needs. So if it's a shorter-term need, you want to make sure it's a short-term uh, option with the, to, to repay it. I mean, I think I think people get in trouble when they use short-term uh, funding for long-term needs. Um, but wouldn't you say that both revenue-based and crowdfunding seem to be um, funding growth? So how would you decide between the two? Well, I mean, and, and, and when you say crowdfunding, and maybe I, I need to kind of get clarification from Billy on this. Or when you talk about crowdfunding, are you talking about equity funding per se, or is it project funding? Because I know you said project, and I, I kind of think of crowdfunding as equity-based. Uh, so, yeah, there are very different uh, flavors of crowdfunding. And, you know, I think this is one of the areas where we really differentiate ourselves is we allow people to participate in low risk debt term debt financing for solar projects. So, okay. you know, this is very different than investing in, uh, you know, a startup. Um, the, the risk profile is very different. We're. Uh, allowing people to invest in, you know, solar projects that are generating electricity and revenue and, you know, have very predictable cash flows associated with them. I, th- I think you've, you helped me with that. So, so Nancy, what they're doing is, you know, it's, it, it may take a year, 18 months, 24 months to get through this project. So then you would use something like uh, Solar Mosaic because it is following the term, whereas on on – the lighter capital, they're, they're following your current revenue uh, uh, trend. Do you, do you know what I'm, I'm saying? Um, no. Can you elaborate a little bit more? Because um, I just wanted to also add on that, you know, I, I think that you have a – Billy has a really great differentiation from other crowdfunding models. And, um, and feel free to jump in and talk about, you know, the overall crowdfunding industry, um, because a lot of crowdfunding models out there are actually um, designed to fund startup companies. Is that correct, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, the uh, I think that's really exciting. And, and we support that, that trend. And we were part of, you know, uh, working on the Jobs Act, uh, which passed and was signed into law by the president, and you know are excited about crowdfunding generally. But you know all, the asset class that that we're 
giving individuals exposure to that we're allowing individuals to participate in is fundamentally different. And, you know, we really see our platform as a place people can grow their money by investing in clean energy, you know, which is safe, uh, low risk and, you know, charismatic and really needed for uh, our country and our, our planet. So it's a, a different type of investment and one that we think is really well matched to crowdfunding, to retail investors, people who don't actually uh, can't afford to lose a lot of money on their investments. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is, is yours is industry. Maybe what I should say, maybe not whether it's short-term or long-term, is the industry. Obviously, you know solar so well that you know how to protect the investors and still give a good economic loan to someone getting a solar project, whereas with Rob, he understands the software as a service model, so he can make a loan that makes sense for a startup company because he understands the industry. So perhaps then it's looking for a lender who has the right size of funding for you but also understands your industry. And that's where the big banks sometimes can't do as well because they're they're having a cookie cutter. They have the federal regulators and everything has to fit into their box. And it seems like both you guys have taken an industry that you think has growth potential and you've been able to design your funding around that. Yeah, I'd like to add on to that. I think, you know, harking back to your your four initial points of, of why a company would look for funding, you know, to develop a new product uh, for ongoing sort of funding operations to grow and then for the acquisition, you know, for a buyout. Um, I I can't I can't speak more uh, strongly that you're you're dead on in, in what you're saying uh, about you know finding the right fit of financing for your current need. We get applications um, constantly that are fascinating businesses and really interesting scenarios that we just our structure is horribly fit for right. Um, you know and I you, so I could imagine someone coming to us and wanting to finance a, a solar project and uh, there's no way that it would fit us but of course it would fit uh, Billy's scenario perfectly. Similarly, you know, buyouts and things, um, you know, there's some flexibility in our model, but oftentimes it's not the right fit, and, and you're, you're no, exactly right. Finding the right, knowing your right. situation helps you find the right uh, financing option. Yeah, and I just kind of want to summarize, um, like, everything we're just kind of talking about. First of all, uh, it's really interesting to see how there are so many different hybrids coming out there. Um, for example, there's crowdfunding, and then even within crowdfunding, there are different types of crowdfunding models. For example, in Billy's case, it sounds like you're providing a more debt-based and more security um, for the investors, um, whereas other crowdfunding may be equity-based, right? And then also, in Rob's case, you're creating a very innovative and um, revenue-based model um, that brings in some of the VC model as well, but also mixed with other business models. So it's really exciting to see so many different options out there. And, and again, it's very exciting, but at the same time, it's also um, – can be very overwhelming for somebody who's looking for funding. And as Nanayu pointed out, it's really important to look at the, the, the time period, the time, you know, timeline of your project, your objective, the size of funding that you need, you know, the equity versus debt options. And so these are all really important criteria to think about. So I think that's a good way to kind of wrap up this segment. Um, looks like we have to take another break, but when we come back, we'll continue with this discussion. We'll be back in two minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. What do you need from your accountants and advisors? We all know what the minimum requirements are. Nothing short of excellence. So, how do you choose? At Markham, for more than 60 years, we've known that the difference between being a service provider and a trusted advisor isn't about making promises, it's about keeping them. 
We care about you and are committed to providing the best services for the best value. With 23 offices throughout the U.S. and China, your Markham professionals won't stop until success is in hand. Success is a choice. Choose Markham. Visit our website today at MarkhamLLP.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. All right, so before the break, we are evaluating different new financing options and also the advantages um, over traditional loans. Um, so now let's talk about the risks associated with them. Um, for example, Nanette, um, when we look at revenue-based um, loans, um, compare that to traditional loans, say, for example, what happens if a competitor showed up and um, affected the potential growth of the company? Um, so what, what would be the potential risk that people should keep in mind um, when they look at these um, financial um options that are new out there? Well, I mean, anytime there's a loan, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a risk. There's always credit risk, and there, there can be competition risk. And I think that's why um, when Rob was talking about that he's lending 25% against future revenue, a, a good lender is going to lend you based on what he, he thinks is going to downsize his risk. No one's ever going to lend you a dollar for a dollar, and what you need, they're going to try and, and, and hedge it with the collateral. So... There's always a risk. I think the risk is, is really more to make sure you're dealing with a credible lender that has done this before and that you, you're not getting yourself into a situation where it's so unfair that you could never pay the money back and lose your collateral because they're, they're all going to ask you for collateral. And as, as, he, as, as, as he said, you know, he might want your IP, he might want your domain names. So you want to make sure that, 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 that you feel you can actually pay these loans back and that, you, that your model is such that it is attainable. So um, let me just kind of add on to that question. So do you feel like the risk associated with revenue loans are different than the risk associated with traditional loans? Well, the risks are different. I mean, it's, it's, a high, it's going to be a higher interest rate, but you can't you probably couldn't qualify for a traditional loan. The reason that, that these models are coming up is that people can't get the loan. So obviously if I could get a loan that was at LIBOR versus a loan that might be at 15 and 20 percent, everything else is e- equal, I would take the lower interest rate. But sometimes you just can't get the access to cash because there's still so much uncertainty about the market that a lot of the traditional lenders are sitting on their cash. They're not willing to, to make that risk. So then there's these creative people that come up and say, I understand your industry. I understand the market. I know how to access additional investors. So I'm going to create a new model and I'm going to put an interest rate on it. I mean, there's a reason that there's a 15% interest rate. That's because there is more risk than a, a mature business that has been in business that has $20 million in savings versus a startup, you know, for 250 There's very few banks that would give a $200,000 revenue company a loan. Probably, I could, you know, maybe one. So, I mean, he's, you know, you, these guys are giving you access where maybe you can't get it. On some of the solar ones, if you went for the government financing, it might take you months to get that, and then, then the availability of the project may go away. So, I mean, you know, it, 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 it's sort of the, is having access to the cash sometimes is more important than whether it's an, a, a, a riskier model or not, because if you don't have the access, you wouldn't be able to stay in business. And Billy, uh, excuse me, Rob. Um, so I guess if if a business uh, becomes delinquent, um, do they then lose? I would assume all the collateral, which will be the patents, domain names, and trademark. Is that correct? It's it, delinquent's an interesting word in our in our world. Um, it's actually ty- entirely feasible, and we've had it before, where a company actually collects no cash over a course of a month. They make no revenue for the month, and they literally owe us nothing, and are yet not in default. Right? That is part of the contract. That's what we signed up for. And that was the result, and so they're not in default. Um, most often, what, when what default 
is triggered by is more of just a failure of the business as a whole. Um, that was a, a that example was a particularly seasonal business. I know Nanette mentioned it earlier. That's a great fit for our, our model as well because in the winter time your payments go down when you don't have as much cash, but in the summertime when you're raking it in, your payments go up, and on average you pay about what you would expect with a, a sort of a flat uh, company over the course of the year. Um, so you know you're right when they do finally default, it's usually because they're closing their doors. And uh, yeah, we will do everything we can just like any other lender to recoup our money. If do like a private sale or um, just, you know, seize the IP and sell it on the secondary market or something like that. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, obviously not a good situation for anybody, but um, we will act just like a, a regular lender at that point. That's, that's sort of when, sadly, our uh, innovative instrument turns into traditional loans uh, with traditional, um, you know, lean, lean uh, security. Um, so, Billy, um, you have a specialized business model that focuses on just the solar or clean tech sector. Do you think the category is big enough that what uh, we're in a separate crowdfunding model or do you think, uh, you know, do you think that you can sustain, um, you know, big enough of the a market by specializing in this particular niche market? Yeah, well, energy is the biggest industry on the planet. So I hope it's a big enough market <laughs> for us to focus on. Uh, you know, I, solar is one of the fastest growing industries in the country, uh, already employs over a hundred thousand, uh, Americans. And, uh, you know, we are focused initially on solar, but more broadly on the energy infrastructure space. And it's my belief that in coming decades, we will see a big portion of our energy mix shift from fossil fuels and nuclear into renewable energy. And, you know, it will require, trillions of dollars of financing. So we are creating a platform that allows individuals to participate in that financing and to earn the good returns that, you know, financing those assets will generate. You know, you look at so far energy has almost entirely been financed by big banks and insurance companies and they've been earning, you know, eight, nine, 10% and up, uh, a year. And uh, we just think other people should be able to participate in those economics. And I think that's a lot of what crowdfunding and peer-to-peer lending is about, is about democratizing these asset classes so that individuals can benefit from them as well. Mm. So, you know, since I think the the Jobs Act, um, they're now something like 400 crowdfunding platforms already operating or um, waiting for approval by SEC. Um, and there's also, for example, a company that specializes in clean tech as well, Clean Crowd, which is um, using a revenue-based but crowdsourced um, model. Um, so there's definitely a lot of competition um, coming to the market. How do you feel about that, Billy? Well, uh, so again, you know, I think you need to look at the what what these platforms are letting people invest in. And, uh, you know, Clean Crowd is, is uh, I just found out about them yesterday. I looked at their website and they allow people to invest in, in early stage clean tech companies. That's really cool. I have invested in uh, a bunch of early stage clean tech companies. Um, some of them look like they'll do well, others not so much. Um, you know, it's a tough space to be an investor in. And even the best venture capitalists uh, have a hard time, you know, earning good returns overall. So um, it's an exciting but riskier asset class to, to allow people to invest in. Whereas for us, it's much lower risk. Um, uh, so, you know, they're different asset classes. Uh, I'm excited about the space. I don't see anybody else who is uh, you know, in our exact space of, you know, financing solar projects. And we think it's a big market. $70 billion globally is going into solar today. And it's expected to be 400 billion a year going into solar annually in by 2020. So, uh, plenty of room for, for other platforms ultimately to, to be in there too. And Rob, uh, who are your investors right now? And would you ever consider incorporating crowdfunding model into your business? Yeah, so we raised an initial fund from institutional investors, a Seattle-based uh, hedge fund, and then Voyager Capital, a West Coast VC fund. Uh, and 
we have certainly thought of the, the platform, like where can this go? You know, we're seeing some pretty good traction. Um, I forgot to mention early on that we've funded 17 companies so far with 24 fu- tranches of financing. So a few of them have grown and required more uh, financing. So that's great um, to continue their growth. Uh, our average deal size so far is about 100K. So uh, we've got Two and a half million out the door so far, um, and so yeah, it's it's accelerating. Certainly, it's it's growing. Um, we get inquiries frequently about people wanting to participate in a fund or something like that, and um, you know we're 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 busy with our own fund currently, but it, we've certainly built our platform and, like I said, our 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 tech platform to possibly be white labeled and um, enable uh, crowdfunding in the future. Um, you know, it sounds like Billy's really done some great work on structuring it. You know, it's still, from our perspective, the sort of retail uh, crowdfunding space is so nebulous still because the SEC continues to drag their feet that for what we're doing, um, you know, we've got our fund anyway, but um, at least for the immediate future, we're, we're probably going to continue with that managed fund structure, uh, but keeping our eye open to it because it just is in, in incredibly powerful, I think. Um, and last question before we take another break, Nanette. I um, wanted to get your thought on um, the crowdfunding industry. Um, is it, If you look at it from a financial or accounting perspective, is crowdfunding industry that different from traditional you know, banks, which also gets funding from millions of individuals and then lends it to thousands of business customers. No, I mean, from the, from the company's standpoint, it's a, it's a lender, a lender is a lender is a lender. What is, is interesting to the company that may be using this crowdfunding is, you know, you'll, you'll have someone that may understand your industry or they may be able to do a smaller loan in a, in a, in a situation that would not qualify for a traditional bank. So it's it's really no 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 hardship or handicap. There's no negatives from a from the company standpoint. The positive is you may get a, a loan that you would not have qualified elsewise. Great, and and you're listening to Business Reinvention on Voice America. For more information about the show, please follow me on Twitter at BizReinvention or go to BizReinvention.com for more information on innovation trends. And we'll be back after two minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. What do you need from your accountants and advisors? We all know what the minimum requirements are. Nothing short of excellence. So, how do you choose? At Markham, for more than 60 years, we've known that the difference between being a service provider and a trusted advisor isn't about making promises, it's about keeping them. We care about you and are committed to providing the best services for the best value. With 23 offices throughout the U.S. and China, your Markham professionals won't stop until success is in hand. Success is a choice. Choose Markham. Visit our website today at MarkhamLLP.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. To business we mentioned, and uh, we're having a lively discussion here about new financing options. Um, so, Nanette, um, wanted to also ask you about investment. You know, borrowing is not the only challenge that businesses have today. Low interest rate can also be a problem for companies that are looking for ways to make short-term investment for their capital. Do you think crowdfunding uh, would be, you know, or even peer-to-peer lending um, would be worth uh, considering for businesses? 
Absolutely, because you are going to get a, a higher interest rate. I mean, from a business standpoint, you're going to want to make sure the people that you're working, the, the lenders or the crowdfunding, that they've done their due diligence and that they're giving you a qualified company. So it's very important to do research on the company you're going to have invest your money to to talk to references, just to see what, you know, if, if, if this is new. So what have they done before that's similar to this that shows you the ethics and the integrity of the people? Because you want to do business with people you trust. And the reason you're going to someone like that rather than make the investment yourself is you want their due diligence and their industry expertise, and they've developed the model and, like, the controls that uh, Billy was talking about to automatically take the money out, ACH. You know, they've developed all the controls for you so that you can – that risk is away from you. So then there's just the credit risk. And so I think it's important to make sure – you're dealing with experienced people that have a track record, whether that track record is in this brand new industry or not. You know, what have they done that shows you that they have that expertise? Well, Billy, do you have any comments on that? I think that's exactly right. And, you know, we actually really changed as a company when we brought onto our team uh, uh, a guy named Greg Rosen as our chief investment officer. And Greg came over to us from Union Bank where he was the VP of solar finance there. And, you know, he has brought many of the same processes, uh, you know, the bank uses to underwrite and do due diligence on the solar projects that we're looking at financing. And, you know, to have someone with that kind of industry expertise come onto the team just really changed the, you know, the, the credit quality of the projects we started looking at, really brought a more rigorous approach to the business. And, you know, I, I, I hope that other crowdfunding platforms similarly bring in, you know, the deep expertise that there is out there in the financial services industry to make sure that people are investing in, in good projects. Um, what about the returns, for example, for your site um, going forward? I mean, how does that compare to, say, peer-to-peer lending or, say, a traditional loan? Would that information be available as well? Or is that something you can share with us right now? Well, um, I can't, I can't, we're not publicly offering, uh, the investments on our site right now. So I can't talk about specific rates of return, but, you know, we're financing debt for clean energy projects. And there are a number of reports that, uh, you know, talk about the rates of return that, that solar debt typically can get are, you know, between five and 9%. So I think it's been a very long time since we've seen this many new models come into the banking industry, and it's very exciting. And I'd love to get your thoughts or prediction on what the implication is for the current banking industry or potential impact on businesses. Um, Rob, do you want to start first and then Billy? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, that's that's a little bit of a crystal ball uh, question. Uh, exactly. It's, it's, a challenge, it's a challenging question for sure. Um, you know, uh, the, the world is becoming increasingly connected, obviously, and the Internet and technology enables quicker decisions, um, more data. Obviously, you know, everyone talks about big data and the cloud and all this stuff. And, I mean, I think it's real. You know, we're using some of it to, to some extent to do next-generation credit analysis and offer what we're calling capital as a service. You know, um, kind of basically going to an ATM and getting 250 grand uh, relatively quickly. And, you know, we hope that does change the, the, the situation. There will always be, as Nanette as was saying, there, there will always be the need for long-term uh, bank debt, you know, as part of a capital structure for a company, certainly. Um, but, you know, as business models change, you know, there is certainly less manufacturing in the U.S., um, less hard asset uh, companies, hard asset-based companies. Um, so those traditional types of, of financings are not as prevalent. And, you know, there's more innovative stuff happening on the business model standpoint. And I think the financial world is sort of seeing that it doesn't, that sort of that round peg doesn't fit in the square hole that has existed for the last 50, 60, 70, hundreds of years since banking was basically invented, right? So, um, uh, you know, I think they will, banks, the big banks will have to innovate uh, to some degree. And regulations will certainly have to, to innovate to some degree and change to, to satisfy, you know, traditionally they regulate depositors and uh, the loans that can be uh, lent out and the amount of reserves that a bank has to keep on, on hand and that kind of thing. And, and we're going to see the same type of regulation probably elsewhere or deregulation of some things to, to satisfy this total change in supply and demand of, of money. 
Very good points. Um, Billy? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think Rob laid it out pretty well. Um, you know, we're, we've seen the internet disrupt and transform many different uh, industries and sectors of our economy. And financial services, I think, is, is one of the next ones that I think will really be transformed. And I think the big, big banks and financial services companies will, will innovate um, and they still have a, a very important role in our economy. And, you know, in, in energy finance, you see utility scale projects, you know, large scale finance. Uh, it's still, it's still very valuable to have, have those banks involved, but, you know, they're not as well matched for distributed finance, for financing distributed clean energy projects. So I think leveraging, uh, the web and um, new technologies allows you know companies to fill a gap in the space and and that creates opportunities and I think that will just grow over time and I want yeah. to add something else we both we both sort of focused on banks but um, it, it's interesting too because I think even just the venture capital world is seeing a change from 15 20 years ago um, the way that say Google or Amazon or one of those companies was was financed to be the big home run opportunity billion dollar opportunity you know I mentioned very early on in the show but um, it's becoming increasingly cheap for a company to get up and running and so even that industry as well even though that you know it's even less traditional than a bank you know it's only been around for 20 30 40 years um, but even that industry is, is having to innovate and change uh, to to satisfy this new demand of, of companies looking for financing as well. So yeah, uh, like Billy said, you know, the whole range of possible businesses and whole range of possible industries and needs for capital um, will constantly uh, change over time. And that's just because the rate of change is increasing so rapidly over the last 20 years or so that we're seeing such an innovation in the space. It's typically been pretty slow to change. Yeah, and I definitely will watch very closely um, how the transformation takes place in the banking industry, but also how it actually impacts many other industries as well. And I want to thank both of you and also Nanette for being with us today. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I want to thank those in the audience um, for tuning in today. And I'm going to be back here next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific time, and I hope you can join me again. Until then, take care and have a good week. We hope that you've enjoyed Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. Please join us for another edition of our groundbreaking program next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll find the inspiration for change over the coming weeks.